Hey everyone, my name is Rich and I am the Huron Campus Pastor. Great to be here with you this weekend. And I'd also like to welcome any guests that we may have. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us and we hope that you'll uh, get to learn God, or know God a little bit better by coming here and also to experience community. You know, we are in week number two of a three-part series about investing my life wisely. You see, God has given us this one and only life. Are you going to invest it wisely or are you going to waste it? Hey, have you ever watched Shark Tank? It's a reality TV show where there are four or five millionaires or billionaires and they're seeking to make investments in these startup companies. And it's pretty fascinating to watch all of these entrepreneurs and, and in, inventors they give their sales pitch to convince the panel of sharks to invest in them. And then watching those businessmen, the, the financial experts like Mark Cuban and Mr. Wonderful kind of haggle back and forth on appraisals and valuations. Have you ever thought, man, I, I wish I could come up with something to get on Shark Tank. Is that me or have you thought of that? But really, how do we know if, something is if something's going to be valuable in the future? Right? How do we know that? Well, we go to an expert. We go to an appraiser. We go to a financial advisor. But when it comes to life, all of the important things in our life, who do we go to? Well, we go to the expert. And the expert is Jesus. And he taught on investing in many ways, how to invest our resources of talents and our treasure and our time and in our whole life. And last week, we were reminded that he's actually the owner and the giver of all things. And he's advised us how to invest our life wisely. Well, without the advice from this expert advisor, from this appraiser of life, we'll only have a worldly limited perspective. And so we'll be fooled by the things that seem to be valuable, but they're not valuable at all. So we'll invest our lives in, in worthless things and miss out on the truly valuable things. And so we'll spend our lives on fool's gold and miss out on real fortune. You know, many people today, they look at spiritual things and they figure they're just not worth much. Uh, meanwhile, all of the glittering goodies of this world appears to be so valuable to them. And so to give us real insight on what's valuable, Jesus gives us a couple of short stories. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 13. You can follow along with me. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Hey, can you imagine walking through a field one day and you find this huge treasure chest just filled with gold? I mean, this, this treasure chest is going to make you more wealthy than you could possibly imagine, but the land doesn't rightfully belong to you. So what do you do? You go back, you scrounge up every penny, you sell everything you own. You sell your house and your car and you cash in the 401k so that you can buy that land. And you buy it. And sure enough, it's more valuable, this treasure, than you've ever imagined. You see, God's treasure that is awaiting us is more valuable than you could ever imagine. The message of the gospel, 
that salvation has been purchased for us by the sacrifice of Jesus. I mean, there's no way you can put a price tag on it. It's not something that you can buy, something you can earn, something you deserve. It's only given by grace. And yet the guy, he had to give up everything just to get that field. But the the treasure in the field was worth far more than anything he had in his life. And so it was a good investment. You know, a, a wise investment will appreciate it. It'll grow over time. And this is the power of interest. For example, if your parents invested $1,000 the day you were born at 6% interest and they never put another penny to it, do you know how much money you would have at 65? $44,000. Wow, that's, I would consider that a great investment because wise investing doesn't mean that you're going to have an overnight payoff. It means that you start out small and then with time, with consistency, then you'll have a big payoff. But we're waiting. We're waiting for the payoff in heaven. And really, do we understand the incredible value of the little things that we do in Jesus' name in the here and now? All of those little things we do, like the appreciation of investing in souls, how a simple invitation to church can result in a life being changed forever And then that life leaving a legacy of faith for generations to come. There was a man who was oblivious to this. Um, He was a good man. He had everything going for him. Actually, he was a prime candidate to become a disciple. And, And he had so much going for him because he was a rich young ruler. But because he was religious... He realized that there's more to this world than all of this materialistic stuff and all this money that he had. And so he goes up to Jesus and he asks him a question. And he says, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now Jesus tells him, because he's under the law of Moses as a Jew, he says you have to obey the Ten Commandments and then love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man replies with this. He says, all these I've kept. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Because he had great wealth. You see, not everyone who meets Jesus goes away happy. But why did Jesus tell him to go sell all of his possessions and and give it away? Because he knew. He knew that those possessions ruled the ruler's life. That they they were his master. These possessions, these things were actually his God. That he didn't own possessions. His possessions owned him. And the story really has more to do with attitudes and values than it does with money. You see, the reason Jesus demanded the man's money was because it was the most valuable, important thing in his life. My question to you is this. What is the most important thing in your life? What's that one thing that holds the key to your heart? And then the next question would be this. How would you respond? 
if Jesus looked at you and told you to give it away? You see, I'm afraid that many of us would walk away sad as well. You know, the apostle Peter, he was formerly a fisherman and he dropped his nets to follow Jesus. He left everything behind to follow Christ. And then after seeing what happened to this rich young ruler, Peter says this to Jesus. He says, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Now, can you really blame Peter for asking that question? I mean, he's walked away from everything. Is this sacrifice that he made, is it, is it truly worth it? And so Jesus recognizes this and he responds with this. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Man, that's a big payoff, isn't it? 100 times your investment? Man, I don't think we can imagine what God has in store for us. He has so much in store for us. And that's why our big idea is this. What God has for you is worth everything. It's worth everything. And some of you here, you may have given up a lot to follow Christ. Some of you here may have had, you have a family and they don't want to have anything to do with you anymore because they think you're a Jesus freak. Or maybe you've had to leave a job because it, it wasn't a moral way for you to make a living. Or it was demanding too much of your life. You were so busy all the time that you had no time to follow the will of God in your life. And some of you may have had to give up friendships friends that were dragging you down, friends that were pulling you away from Christ. And some of you have given up a, a way of life that people in this world would view as the good life, but the good life wasn't so good when it was compared to the best life. And so to further illustrate this, Jesus gives us a second story. Follow along with me, Matthew chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Man, you would think that God's kingdom would be obviously precious and valuable to everyone. But so many people, they don't see the value of the gospel because they don't understand it. And they don't care about the desperate situation that they're truly in. And then they vainly figure, man, I'm going to make it to heaven somehow. Come on. They don't see it. They don't see it until the true need for it is too late. Man, as Christians, we have treasure in Christ now, right now. But it's only a deposit. It's only on a down payment on what's yet to come. Because heaven is the true treasure. And it's worth whatever we sacrifice. Let me finish with one more story that Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 25. And it's where he compares the kingdom of heaven to a master entrusting money to his servants. It's called the parable of the talents. 
And I would like to just summarize it for you. A master or a business owner, he gathers his three servants together with him, and he's giving them a large sum of money as he leaves on this journey. Now, he's watched them. So he knows these three men. He knows their abilities. He knows their work habits. He knows their wisdom in handling his resources. And he knows what each one is capable of based on their past track record. And so he has the three gathered and he turns to the first one and he says, I'm going to give you five talents, which in today's money is $5 million. And he turns to the second one. I'm going to give you two talents or two million. And he turns to the third one. I'm going to give you one talent or one million. Now he gives that based on their past track record. Do you see the the master wants them to be stewards of his resources, to be money managers? Let me ask you, if you you were in their shoes, how would you spend that money? How would you invest that money? But you know really what the bigger question is? What do you think God would consider you? Do you think God would consider you a five-talent person, a two-talent person, or a one-talent person? Have you proved faithful in your life up to this point? Can he trust you with things in the future? Well, the, the first two servants, man, they didn't waste any time. They got right after it. And they, they took that money and they went on a mission and they made that money just go to work and they doubled the money. Now, we don't know how they did it. They traded and they bought and they sold things, but they did a great job. Now, the third one, not so much. So the third one, you see, he wanted to take the easy way out. So he takes the money, digs a hole, he buries it in the ground so the money is safe. Okay, so the master comes home and now he wants an accounting. What did you do with my money? And the master commends the first two on their good stewardship. And listen to what he tells them. Matthew chapter 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Man, I hope you see this. I hope you recognize this part. That one day... One day Jesus is coming back. One day Jesus will return. And when he returns, we're going to have to give a full account of ourselves to God. Have you been faithful with what God has given you? Like the first two people. But the master, you see, he was displeased with the third servant. And he goes to the third servant and he condemns him for being a bad steward. Listen to what he says. You wicked, lazy servant. You should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Wow. Attitude adjustment, right? But but hold on for a moment. I mean, what's really going on here? It's not like this guy took the money out and blew it. I mean, he didn't squander his talent. He he just wanted to play it safe. And so he buried it. 
I mean, really, what could possibly be so bad about that? But the problem is this. You see, he was an unproductive steward. He did nothing with what he was given. And the Bible says this, Matthew 25. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, the point of this story goes well beyond money. How does Jesus define success? The servants who had doubled their talents, they were, they were declared faithful. They accomplished their purpose. They were successful in their mission. They measured up to their potential. Please get this. When the master returns, he's going to call us to account He's going to evaluate our success on whether or not we've accomplished our purpose. And some of you may be thinking right now, I understand what you're saying, Rich, but what is my purpose? And I would steer you to Matthew chapter 28, where we are told to be a disciple of Christ, but then to make disciples, to become a disciple maker. You see, that's every Christian's mission. And success means doing all we can with all that God has given us. You see, God has given each one of us a mission. He's entrusted us with his enterprise. He's given us the keys to his business. God has blessed all of us with diverse abilities and talents and resources. And he's given us opportunities Are you using them? Are you using them to disciple, to make disciples of Christ? Are you like the first two servants? Or are you like the third? You know, I want to tell people about church. I want to serve. I want to be in a group. But, you know, I'm going to just play it safe. Those things are outside my comfort zone. But I want to remind you. Jesus will return, and let me ask you, will he look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant? You see, we can't control how many people come to Christ and are baptized, but we can control how how many people we share Christ with. We can't control how many people will come to church, but we can control how many people we invite to church. So what is the failure in this parable? It's being unproductive. It's being unproductive in the mission that God has given us. If you use what God has blessed you with, you know what he'll do? He'll trust you with more. And he'll give you more. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to get rich in this life. Remember, our reward is in heaven. But if you fail to use what he's given you, if you fail, then you lose it. If you get nothing else, I pray you'll get this. 
what you have is yours to invest in the kingdom or to bury it. It's your choice. Which will you choose? But what we have, one day we're going to give an account to God for. What have you done? What have you done with what's been given to you? You see, whatever you use for God's purpose, whatever you use, God will more than reward you. You know, I want to just take some time out right now to to really highlight some of the missions that we support here at South Point. Missions that are making disciples, missions that are changing communities in the name of Jesus. I want to challenge you, please. I want to challenge you to invest yourself in these missions for next weekend where we'll have a special offering. Now, this is the second year that we've done this. Every dollar from all three campuses on that weekend will go specifically to missions. And during this series that we're in, We've been highlighting and celebrating all of the good that these outside missions have been doing. And we've grouped them into three major categories. And the first is church planting. And that's starting new churches. We celebrated that last weekend where two of our missions in Great Lakes region and also in Canada. And then number two is our compassion outreach, which we'll talk about today and then highlight next weekend. And then number three is global evangelism, which encompasses all other forms of reaching people with the good news of Christ by sending out ministers and missionaries. And today I want to highlight the compassion outreach missions of IDES and Go Impact 360. Because both of these show love in action, caring for people's immediate needs which opens the door for their eternal needs to be met. Now, International Disaster Emergency Services exist to meet the physical and spiritual needs of suffering people throughout the world. And they do that in the name of Jesus. And it connects those who are hurting worldwide to those who have a heart for compassion IDE serves in five main focus areas around the world. The first is evangelism, and then disaster response, hunger relief, development and sustainability, and medical care. Since 1973, IDE has partnered with local churches just like us in more than 115 countries during time of crisis. And they're involved in different areas like Haiti, Bangladesh, and the Philippines. But over the past year or so, they've actually been involved more in America because of all the hurricanes we've been having. I want you to check out this video from the IDES Executive Director, Rick Jett, sharing how God has moved this past year. In 2018, we have seen God's faithfulness in helping us to grow in a lot of different areas, and we just give Him the praise for all that has been done. One of the things is in all the responses that we've had to the domestic disasters that we've had here, we were definitely very heavily involved in helping the people in Houston, Texas, that whole area after Hurricane Harvey, and that went through all last year, clear up into September. I believe there's like 150 different people, families, homes, that were restored. 
We help churches get their buildings repaired. Also in Puerto Rico, helping those people rebuild. I haven't finished the houses yet there, but they're very close to being done. So we're real thrilled about that. One thing that we've seen overseas is our project at Mesot. That has really gone off really well. Randy and Ed uh, left our office here and went there and uh, saw that there were 130 children now in the kids club being sponsored uh, through the Rafa house. And uh, church has now been built, dedicated, that was built by uh, Stadia and Asian Christian Services. Uh, we've seen an increase in our GAP program, the meals pack, that increase, more meals, more volunteers, more events. Um, that means more shipment, more people being fed. More people were trained. Uh, Ed Sano was on the road a lot, helping prepare churches in preparing for disaster, safe worship. Uh, those seminars have been very well received and uh, seem to continue to increase. It's been a great, great year. God's people have supported us prayer and with finances. And it's 2018, uh, it's been a wonderful year. The other mission of, com yes, hey, we should give them a round of applause for sure. Man. The other mission of Compassion Outreach that we support is actually a spinoff from our ministries that we've turned into a nonprofit organization that is now involving other churches and other organizations, and it's called Go Impact 360. And its board of directors is actually comprised of South Point members. Now, the mission of Go Impact 360 is to go into communities and make a significant impact by meeting the physical and mental and spiritual needs in three different areas, Detroit, Downriver, and Romania. I want you to hear from Mike as, uh, Mark as he tells you a little bit about this. Watch this. All right, South Point, um, I'm coming at you as my role in uh, Go Impact 360. I wanna say thank you for your support, both financially and through volunteerism. 2018 was a great year uh, for Go Impact 360. A lot of impact was made in Downriver, Detroit, and Romania. In Downriver, our big project is Go Serve. And last year, we sent almost 600 people into the community to make a difference. Um, one of the cool stories was we partnered with a school, Allen Park Community School, the principal, Sean Laura, and one of the teachers is Josh Andrews, who's a at South Point got us connected and they sent the entire school body out to serve in the community. Isn't that great? It's amazing. So we're excited about that. In De uh, Detroit, we had over 2,500 guests from the community at our big event, Bless Fest. We gave out 300 Bibles, English, Arabic, and Spanish. Um, we gave out over 50,000 pounds of food, over 2,000 hot lunches, including halal food for our Muslim and Arab guests. Um, and we had a prayer tent led by local churches. Six different local churches were a part of it. We did evangelism training, um, and they were able to help connect more people from the event to local churches. We're super excited about that. Romania, uh, we partnered with a new organization, new, two new cities last year. We sent uh, 29 people on missions trips uh, and 400 kids were part of our camps last year, but we also went to Brela and Georgiou, which, which is in the southeast corner of Romania and some of the most impoverished and under-resourced areas in Romania. Uh, there's a Bethel House orphanage and then local churches that we're gonna partner with uh, in 2019, brand new territory for us. The Bethel House is an amazing organization. We were having dinner with one of the families. They take foster kids from the system and put them into actual homes with a mom and dad. And so uh, while we were there, one of the kids that grew up in the home called and said, hey mom, can you give me that recipe? 
Isn't that, isn't that cool? Just like a family back home. It's an amazing organization we're excited to partner with. Four projects that we're gonna start this year. Uh, English as a second language to help with income and it's a big need. Uh, school dropout because middle school and high school students are dropping out like crazy because they don't have resources and transportation. A scholarship fund because we wanna educate those that know the gospel to help change the culture and then also a grocery project to feed and give basic necessity to those impoverished families. Three ways that you can continue to support and, and make an impact all over the world with Go Impact 360. Go serve, sign up for our events in 2019. Go lead, we're looking for leaders. We're looking for people that will invest time and energy to help make these things happen. And three, you can go donate. All of that can be found on our website, goimpact360.com. Thanks for choosing to go. of South Point because of projects like the Black Party. Black Party's amazing. Go Impact is all about going to people, um, going to people to serve their needs, to point them to Jesus, not, not waiting for them to come to us. Now, I've personally done Black Parties, and I think they're great, and I couldn't encourage you enough to serve. And by the way, we couldn't do Black Parties or any of these things without your giving. Your giving makes all of this possible, so thank you for that. And I would like to specifically, uh, if you would like to specifically make an impact on hundreds of kids and families in Romania, you can go to one of our Romania information meetings on February 16 and 17 following each service at every campus. Or we also have an online meeting on February 18th at 7 p.m. Now, this is for all who are interested in going this summer and even for those who can't, but you would still like to make an impact through one of our projects. And you can also text at Romania19 to 81010 for more information. You know, God has left us here to take as many people to heaven as we possibly can, to be productive in his mission Man, we are living for the day where we hear his voice and we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to listen to the words of this song. Just sit there and relax. What will it be like when my pain is gone and all the worries of this world just fade away? Be like 
What a beautiful song, wasn't that? Amen. Um, We're now seven days into our 21-day challenge to prioritize God. And so here are the four challenges again. Number one is to attend next weekend for the final talk, and that is invest in what lasts. Will you do that? And then number two is to memorize a Bible verse each week. Did you memorize Matthew chapter 6? Uh, Last weekend, seek first his kingdom. Well, this weekend or this week, could you memorize with me what Jesus said earlier? In fact, let's all say it together. Are you ready? Here we go. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. And number three is to invest in missions in the celebration of generosity next weekend, February 9 and 10. I hope that you'll pray about what you'll give next weekend and be as generous as possible. Remember, this offering doesn't go to our church. And it gives you a way to chant, a chance to express your support specifically for missions. And we'd love to see this be the largest offering ever. And then number four is pray daily and fast from something for the next two weeks to really help you to focus your time in on prayer and also on all of the more important spiritual things of life. By the way, how did it go last week? Did you try that last week? And if you could, this week, could you pray for our missions, IDES, and Go Impact 360? Maybe you could fast from something. Maybe you could fast from certain foods or pop or TV or gaming or social media or smoking or coffee. Uh, Okay, maybe not coffee because I think I would die. Okay, I'm sorry, God, I'll repent. Um, Now, these aren't legalistic things that you're required to do. It's really up up to you on how you'll do it and how long. Do whatever feels like a sacrifice to you. And so the big idea is this, what God has for you is worth everything. It's worth everything. You see, salvation costs us nothing, but it costs Christ everything. And you know what? He considers you worth it. He considers us worth it. Like the man who finds the treasure in the field Some of you may not have been looking for that salvation, but today you've heard the good news that you can gain the kingdom of heaven. Don't waste any more time in securing it. Trade in your old life for a new life. Trade in this world for the world that's yet to come. Trust in Christ. Repent and be baptized into Christ today. And others of you may be more like the pearl merchant where you're a spiritual seeker. You're searching for something to invest your life in. You've tried various courses and causes and campaigns and charities. I mean, you've been through the world's flea market of religions and self-help systems and nothing has brought true meaning into your life. Nothing has brought you fulfillment until today because you've heard the good news and you know that this pearl 
is more valuable than anything you could ever imagine. It's life-changing. Your search is over. I mean, there's nothing else like it. You get a personal relationship with God. Forgiveness. A complete transformation of your mind, heart, and soul. Let me ask you, how much is peace of mind worth? How much is that worth? How much is genuine joy worth? How much is a clean conscience worth? How much are the blessings of God worth? All of this in heaven too. What do you have to lose?